Hi, welcome to Real Life Moms. I'm your host, Lisa Foster, and Real Life Moms is a podcast that's all about connecting moms through real conversations. I believe that moms have so much insight and knowledge, and together we are powerful. And this week, I invited Dr. Lori Reichel. She is a school health educator for over 25 years working with children and the creator of the Talk Puberty app. She's also the host of the Puberty Prof. Today, Lori is helping me discuss the topic of sex and what we should be discussing with our kids. Hi, Lori. Welcome to Real Life Mom. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me today. It's so nice to meet you. I'm really excited about our topic. I'm a little bit nervous about our topic. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, because we're going to discuss how to talk to our kids about sex and just everything that goes along with that. Well, maybe you're more comfortable, but as much as I think I'm comfortable with it, you know, I do have teenagers and, you know, as they're starting to explore this, um, you know, it gets a little, a little bit hard to actually articulate what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to ask and how to help them. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Well, I'm excited too. Can I ask you a question before you, sure you start can. asking me questions? So do you think part of the hesitancy like of this topic is that it's kind of weird to see your kid because it's like as a sexual being, because they're your kid and now right. they're growing up? I think I think it's a two-parter. I think you yes, I think that's part of it. And I think the other part is I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say negativity, but I want to say negativity about, you know, sex and what age it's really appropriate for, right? Because like, I think as we grew up, um, at least when I grew up, I'm going to put it out there. It's like, you don't have sex till you're married, right? But I know that is not really happening, you know, didn't happen for me, put that out there. I don't think it's happening for my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's hard to talk about because I think there's this, you know, in my parent ear, people saying like, oh, you know, you don't have sex to your, and a, you know, you're married or whatever. And then, but my realistic side, which I am a mom that really is open and really communicates with my kids. My kids do tell me probably a lot more than most. It's kind of like, well, I know that's not going to happen. I need to be there for my kid whatever step of the way they're going to be. And I want to be able to answer questions. So I think it's more of this like back and forth of, Am I doing the right thing? And I know it's it's difficult because it's like we want to do best for kids. And there's also that fear that if we talk about it, it's going to encourage kids to do it more. It's more we have to be real about it because what is betrayed in the media is not truth. It mm-hmm. is not. It is not. Um, the whole thing, like I, I'm going to admit, I watch Grey's Anatomy, like the old, you know, the old shows and everything. Mm-hmm. And- how they portray things like kind of like very fast sexual encounters. I look at that and I go, okay, wait a minute. If that really happened and then they go and do an operation or something like that, there's, it doesn't happen that way in real life because as somebody that has a vagina, I know that there's fluids that can potentially leak afterwards (laughs) or, you know, know, it's like that kind of stuff. So like what they're seeing is not Right. Even like the first time you're with somebody, it's not like, oh, that was the best. It's more for some of us, the person has to know our bodies for more pleasure Mm -hmm. to happen. So we have to have these conversations about what really, really goes on. And to me, uh, as a as a real person and then as this health educator, I I say to people, you know, like the anticipation of having this perfect first time, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yet, what you can have is a really nice memory. And that's what I wish for young people. Mm-hmm. That when you're doing things, you're not being coerced. You're, you're, 
you're with somebody you can trust and that then leads to the discussion of well how do we even know we can trust someone right and i love having this discussion i've had it with younger people in middle school and high school and then i have it with college folks like how long do you know you can trust someone is it like a week you know and sometimes i can connect like you and i right away we can start chatting and we have this nice connection mm-hmm. yet to truly know that you know it's it's just we're still in the honeymoon phase of meeting one another that that requires some time to pass because, and, and this is another thing we talk about in my health classes is that, you know, you have to get to that stage of when people get a little bit more comfortable and they start passing gas. If I say, right, (laughs) then, then you're really comfortable. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so people's true colors start coming out a little bit more. So again, I wish for people for when they're engaging in things that, they're cognizant, they're not under the influence of a substance, particularly the first times, because that doesn't allow for consent and for them to understand their bodies and to be able to communicate and that they don't have a regret, that they look back and go, you know, that was actually nice. Yeah, I love that so much. I'm, I'm going to stop you for a second, just so you can tell a little bit about yourself so that the listeners know a little bit more just about you and your background. Well, I've been a school teacher. I, I worked in, in New York on Long Island, the island of Long, in the Catholic school system with the grant program. And I worked with children in grades one through eight. And then I was hired in public school and the middle school. So I really covered um, puberty for a lot of years. And then when, um, when I talked to the seventh and eighth, and then eventually I worked in high school later on in my career, I talked a lot about the, the topic of sex ed um, I also was an administrator for health and phys ed. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went for my doctorate later in life because I was told by, uh, when I worked part-time at a university, my students were like, you got to do this full-time because you get kids. You get how to talk with them. You get what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And there's just realistic ways we can talk with young people and equip them with tools. Mm-hmm. Because when we talk about sex ed, it's really not about all this the stuff we get scared about, it's really about how can we teach communication skills, decision-making skills, self-management skills, relationship management skills. It's really a life class. That's what mm. help is supposed to be in 2022. So um, I also have a podcast. I have the Puberty Prof podcast, and I have it focus on not just those physical changes of puberty, but other things we talk to kids about, like even the phrases that deal with sexual orientation and identity, gender. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about some of the tougher things about um, interpersonal violence. And I don't like talking about that, yet we have to, because we mm-hmm. have to be real that stuff goes on and it's still going on. Um, so I have a podcast. I created the Talk Puberty app and the Talk Before Sex app to create a tool for people to get together and talk before acting on something Mm. or before even going through puberty. I'm a believer of having a conversation uh, before an action occurs between two people. Yeah, I love that. And I kind of actually looked at your app and um, I think it was Talk Before Sex App, maybe? Was that what it's called? Yeah, Yeah, there's one that's, it's called Before, and I did it as a capital B and then Yes. Before Sex. And that one, I... And I'm not trying to be this old farty person of, um, you know, don't have sex. 
it's more, I hear from young people that mm -hmm. sometimes there's this regret and par a part of it is they're not sure how to start the conversation. Yeah. So I, I created the app so somebody can be like, they can download it. And I made sure too, I don't know if you know this about apps, that if you get free apps, you're going to get a lot of ads. Mm -hmm. And because both of my apps refer to body parts like the vulva, the penis, I don't want anything inappropriate to appear. Yeah. So a, a price had to be attached to it. So, so the, a person can say, Hey, you know, why don't we check this app out? Isn't this ridiculous? Look at these questions and they can make fun of the questions, but it leads to conversations. And yeah. that's the purpose of the talk before sex app. And then the talk puberty app is, was actually created for parents and other caregivers. So they can sit down with their kids, even in the fourth and fifth grade and say, check this out. What are some of the common questions that children ask that deal with all children or mm -hmm. with most boys, most girls? So again, it's trying to help people talk, start the conversation and continue it. Oh gosh, I have so many questions already. And I'm also sitting here going, oh my God, I should have done so much more talking to my kids. I thought I did. No, um, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I have to say this to you, Lisa, and to the listeners. Yes, yes. The reality is a lot of us didn't have this modeled. Yeah. No, 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 no. I did not have this modeled. Not at all. No, no. So it's kind of like we're, and I believe that the next generations are going to get better. But I also understand there's this disconnect that when it's your actual child, whether or not it's a biological or an adopted or, you know, stepchild, it's still sometimes challenging to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And part of it, too, for, for parents is we're afraid sometimes of what other parents are going to think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we have all these barriers to get through and we're doing the best we can with kids. We, we are. We mm -hmm. are. And so and like our parents did the best they could. And it's funny, my parents now, they'll be like, I can't believe you talk to kids about sex. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, but I'm not like, it's nothing pornographic that I'm talking about. It's about life skills. So how do you start the conversation? How and, and actually when? Actually, what we're, what we're trying to do in the year 2022, 2023 is when children are younger, allow conversation to happen naturally. So mm -hmm. if a child even asks the question about, um, like if a, 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 somebody's pregnant again and, you know, have the baby get in there, that's yeah. basic That's basic biology. And there's a lot of uh, sex educators that say, you know, answer the question, it's biology. Um, and But other things about be, being very cognizant about how we even love our bodies. Because that's part, when, when we go through these changes, especially puberty, body image is huge. And we know that as kids get older, from a certain age, they're very cognizant of their bodies changing. And if we comment on their bodies to be like, oh, you know what, I'm being too hard on myself. So those are very subtle messages that deal with sexuality um, that we can just model for our children. But when a child sees something or when we see something and to say, huh, they're kissing on TV. What do you think about that? Um, if you're seeing something with animals, because some people that live on farms, they're going to see stuff with animals that you don't always <laughs> think about. You know, that's how baby animals are created. So I would say a really um, an important thing for us as adults to remember is as much as we hope that our kids will come to us and ask questions. Mm -hmm. they don't know how to do that if we have not modeled for that, modeled them for that. 
so when a parent has said to me like, well, my kid doesn't come up and ask me questions. Well, you, do you ask questions about your, you know, like to your child, do you model like, Hey, do you want to go get a book on puberty or pick up a book on puberty and show it to your child and say, Hey, you know, why don't we read this together? Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of stuff that we can do. Yeah. And then be very cognizant. And it, oh, let me back up too. when we talk about body parts, attempt to use the actual names of the body parts. The, if I say medically accurate names, uh, what we see is that when we, like for a child, if we go, well, that's a PP, it begins to send children a message that we can't say these body parts, we feel uncomfortable and we don't take them seriously versus, oh yeah, that's your penis. You know, mm-hmm. and if there's a dad, yeah, dad has a penis too, if he has a penis. So the more we have these nicknames in it, it just demonstrates that we're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you can't ever use a slang, but it's this, um, like, if you compare it to your ear, this is an ear. What slang term do you have for ear? None. <laughs> yeah. But we have how many slang terms for breast, yeah. for penis, for vulva, for vagina. And right. some of them are very derogatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think people think it's inappropriate, you know, like it's almost like a curse word, right? It's inappropriate to say. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people use something else. And I think it's weird that sometimes in movies, they have like a little child portraying that they're like, daddy has a penis. And they say it really loud and like, oh, shh, shh, shh. And mm-hmm. it's like, why is that always portrayed? Because they do have a penis. <laughs> have a penis. That's okay. It's a body part child is knowing that it's their body. And it's funny because what you were saying about talking to your children about puberty or maybe getting a book. One of the things I did with my daughter, I feel like I missed the boat on my son a little bit because he's younger, you know, the second child, let's face facts. It's a little less (laughs) hands on. Um, And I I guess I expected my husband to take part in that a little bit more. And I don't think it (laughs) happened, Um, but that's okay. Um, but my daughter, I took her um, and we went and got the American Girl doll book. It has like yes. all about, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so we got that and I was like, oh, we're going to go buy a book today. And she was young. She was probably like eight. So she, uh-huh. it, was, it was early. Um, and we got this book and I, we went into the car. And I remember hearing like, you know, if you're in the car, there's nothing else to do, right? <laughs> So yes, you're kind of yes. trapped in the car mm-hmm. and you're going to have a conversation. So we went through the book and she had questions. And then it got to a point where I think she was just like, you know what? That's enough information. And then we just stopped. But I felt like that was really cool because it did open the door to just knowing that she can come talk to me about anything without a judgment and that I will give them the best answer that I can or we'll go Google or get a book. Yep. So and that's just- modeling like going to a reliable resource like kidshealth.org has a lot of um, updated information. And then there's a maze.org. They have some video clips uh, on a variety of sexual health topics, but the kids health um, very age appropriate for like those preteens and then for teens. Um, But yeah, to go to a reliable resource. And I love that you, the American girl book, and they have more than one these days. It's a lot of young people love those books and it's great where you know both the the parent the caregiver and the child can look at it the other um for for boys at times we didn't have a lot of books and now we're having more and more being written so it's really great and some of them like i would if i if i had a son i'd be like okay which one do you like align with the most because some 
might not want to read so much because mm-hmm. I remember, oh, about 20 years ago, there was a book and it was thick and it was like all this information and I wouldn't want to read it as an adult. I want to have like a little bit of a diagram and then maybe a little comic strip or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we do have more of those books for children overall, which is really neat to see. Yeah, that is true. Because that, that was the thing. I couldn't necessarily find it for my son either. I was like, well, where's the American Girl doll book for boys? You know? I was like, yeah. okay. One thing I keep hearing you saying, though, um, in talking is, you know, the loving of their bodies, you know, as they're changing yeah. and developing and even, you know, just loving their bodies. And I, I, I mean, I experienced this with my daughter. Um, and, you know, my son does this too, where... Mm-hmm you know, those things. And I'm like, that is so not true. Whether, you know, I'm ugly, or I'm, you know, fat or whatever, you know, whatever it is that they're saying. And I'm like, but you're not, I mean, not at all. You're not, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're just why can't you see yourself like what everybody else sees you? And, and, and they can't, they really can't, they have a whole distorted image of their bodies. And it's the social media stuff because we're always seeing this this like perfect stuff. Um, I'm really glad when certain clothing stores portray actual people, not these mm-hmm. these other people. Um, and there's also some video clips that I that I, I showed to young people about how things are morphed. So when you see a picture in a magazine, that's not the true picture. Mm-hmm. Even in old like pornographic magazines, they put makeup on people to make things appear differently. So things are morphed. So, um, which I want to say, and I hope this is okay for your audience, that what we're finding, um, because kids are having access to so much on online, that they're even being very critical about their reproductive parts, about their vulvas, about their penises. Mm. And they're like, but my, like my labia is not supposed to look like this. You know, this is what is shown in this. And it's like, no, no, everybody, there's no perfect set of labia. Everybody looks <laughs> differently. It's different. So, but what's really interesting, and I'm really sorry to say this, Lisa, some um, young women, when they have sexual partners, sometimes their partners will say, yeah, your lips are too fat, <gasps> the labia area. And my response to that is that that is not your partner. Nobody has the right to tell you this is a physical part of your body to love. And we all have different, we have different shapes and sizes and stuff like that. And I like the book by Heather Karina. She has a book, I think it's called SEX. And it's written more for teenagers and then young adults. And there's one page that has illustrations of a variety of genitalia. And when my college students first see it, they're like, I was shocked. But then it's like, wait a minute wait, we, ha- we all look differently, even down there. Mm. So why do we put ourselves down? And part of it is because of this constant message, you know, that we get in the media that you have to look this way. And it's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I never even thought of. Talking to you, I realize it's funny because I'm like, oh, I feel like I've really been open with my daughter at least and talked to her and um, and she has come to me, but <laughs> talking to you, I was like, well, we haven't discussed any of this stuff, you know? Um, so interesting. It's this interesting. Yes. There's so much more. 
There is, but part of it, like I'm, I'm very fortunate that I can connect with young people and they're like, yeah, I was told this. So they might tell me this, you know, in a small group or one-on-one or in a classroom and we do like confidential stuff, not anything that would be abusive because that has to be reported and all, but they, they talk about some of the realities of Mm -hmm. how some of their peers even will make comments. And it's, it's unfortunate. So we have to be honest with kids um, and as, as much as we can as adults to say, you know, sometimes I do have a challenge with my body, but I'm so grateful for it. Like we train future elementary educators to not talk about, oh, I got to go on a diet or I'm trying to lose five pounds in front of elementary school kids because we don't want young kids to constantly hear us adults with our own issues. If you have a little junk in your trunk, have a little junk in your trunk. Yeah, we be know. proud. Yeah, if I don't, did you see the movie um, Eat, Pray, Love? Oh, you love that movie. That scene when she is eating pizza mm-hmm. in Rome. Yeah. And the other woman's like, oh, I gained five pounds. You know, I, my jeans don't fit me. And that main character that Julia Roberts plays, she goes, you know, when you've when you've been naked with with a partner and she's like i haven't been with many men or whatever and she's like well anytime you've removed your clothing have they complained yeah. no <laughs> they're happy there's a naked woman there and so that's true. the reality sexy is loving your body mm-hmm. and being in your body and maybe doing a little dance or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's really appreciating what you have versus trying to be perfect because and I don't know if I'm talking too much here, but we there's even a rise in plastic surgery in the genital area. Oh, my. Yep. And there's even some young people that are requesting it. And some parents that are, I don't know where they're getting the money for it, but it's like, why? Why? And part of it is because of all the messages that people have seen in porn. Can I ask you, because you have so so much experience with kids and talking to them, um, what are young kids asking about sex? Like, what are they coming to you with? Well, it depends upon the age. Mm -hmm. Because certainly younger kids, they just, they're kids. And they really just want to know if they see something like, you know, what is that about? Um, Like for puberty, they, when we talk about body changes and then the hygiene skills of how to take care of those body changes and then the social changes and stuff, um, kids that age are very curious about, well, if, if it's somebody that's going to have a menstrual cycle, they're very concerned about when they're going to get a menstrual cycle. They're going to, you know, they're concerned they're going to get it when they're wearing white pants and they have a male teacher and they don't have a pad or anything. So it's a lot of reassuring of, you know, your school's going to have your back. You know, nobody's going to know unless you point it out. That's one thing they'll ask about. Um, for boys, they'll ask about wet dreams because some of them are not sure about what that is. And some Mm -hmm. of them think they're urinating their bed. And then they'll talk about things like, you know, how to hide an erection, those sudden erections. Mm -hmm. And they'll even talk about that in like seventh, eighth grade. And then really when, when they get into that seventh, eighth grade high school, they are curious about sex, but to back it up, first, they really want to know, how do you get somebody to like you? They really want that relationship stuff. And then how can you even like get somebody to hang out with you? And then how do you, some of them even want want to know, how do you break up with someone? And these are relationship skills. Um, And then regarding other things about sexuality, they are curious. Like certainly when we talk about sexual orientation and gender, 
some kids are like, what are all those LGBT plus things mean? Because if you don't identify as such, that's confusing. And now you have to realize you're, you're talking to a health educator that I used, I was trained to do more scare tactics, but over the years, I'm like, I'm not doing scare tactics with kids because I don't want them to be fearful about having sex. I want them to be prepared for sex. Yeah. And so I, I don't go over all the STIs, all right, the general stuff. The main thing, and this is what kids want to know too, the main thing that we'll go over is how do you prevent, like a pregnancy, prevent getting an STI. If you think you got one, what do you do? They also want to know how do you like really talk to people about this stuff? And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, let's practice. Let's even practice just saying body parts or let's practice about, let's create a dialogue that if you were going to do something with someone, how do you do that? Is it teens that are starting this or is it younger? Is it preteens? It depends upon who the person is. It depends Mm -hmm. upon where you're at. The Youth Risk Behavior Survey will tell us there are a percentage of people that do engage in sexual intercourse before they graduate high school. Mm -hmm. There are some people that do engage before the age of 13. Wow. So they do, yet the reality is sometimes, like, if if it's a single parent, maybe they have a lot of partners. We have to remember the kids, like, are seeing this modeled, so they have this curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe they just have a lot of free time. And... uh, so they are curious, the, the actual activity, and this is what we do in the health class. We go over the real statistics to, to say that, no, not everybody is having sex. No. <laughs> Intercourse, I would say the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, it, it's like one out of two people. Typically, they'll admit that, that on the, the survey. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's a little higher, depending upon the year. Now, the oral and anal sex, that certainly has changed from when I was growing up because Mm. oral sex is perceived as not as intimate. And then anal sex has gotten increasingly popular. Why do you think that is? Part of that is, I'm sorry, it's about porn. And I'm not like anti-porn. I know that there's adults that can watch it and everything, but kids are being exposed to stuff. And what they're being exposed to online, that kind of imagery usually is more it's more if i say violent it's more um yeah. uh it's can be very uh like th- for heterosexual sex the female might be held down uh, some of the terminology that's used um and anal sex is shown a lot so now, you feel uh, that kids are actually learning from porn is is absolutely. that Wow. Wow. Another conversation I need to have with my guests, but yes. Wow. Okay. I never thought about that because it is, it's, you know, that isn't necessarily the type of sex I would hope for my kids when they're ready. Yeah. I I mean, there's, it's called fifth base by some kids. Oh, wow. Fifth base. I'm so old. No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. It's, it's more, and if you look at stuff with Peggy Orenstein, she has mm-hmm. done research when she's talked with, um, with teenagers and then uh, college folks, and she has a book called Girls and Sex and then a book with, called Boys and Sex. And they talk about the realities of what they've seen, what they're exposed to, and anal sex has gotten more popular with heterosexual mm-hmm. um, activity with younger people. Mm-hmm. And 
like for, and I'll admit to this and I, and I've actually said this to my college students that, you know, if you're a person with a vulva, a lot of us were not taught that we have to figure out our pleasure. And I, I'll say it like this. If somebody has a penis, they usually can figure out what their pleasure is because right. they're touching their penis to urinate. And then when somebody else touches their penis, they're like hitting the jackpot, like, oh my God, I don't have to touch somebody else's. That feels great. And, and for the, a person touching, like if you touch a penis the first time, you don't even know what you're doing, but like the, the guy's like, woohoo. Now those of us with a, with a vulva, what we're taught is, okay, you have to wipe after you go to the bathroom and wipe from the front to the back, which is really weird to do because it seems like it goes against gravity in a way. But we're not, it's not like a pleasure thing that if we touch, even if we hit the clitoral area, we don't necessarily get a pleasing sensation. So it's mm -hmm. like, well, what does please us? And we have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. How we have to figure it out is exploration. But we still have this, this connotation that if you touch your body parts, then that's kind of slutty. But mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's exploration. And mm -hmm. so when we have a partner, the partner, like, and it's really interesting because if you talk to women, like, biological female, somebody with a, a vulva doesn't know what brings them pleasure, their partner can try to figure it out for them. But mm -hmm. for somebody that owns the equipment, that would make more sense. Like, what really does bring me pleasure? And then I can tell my partner or my partner can help me. Mm -hmm. But we haven't also been told you have the right to talk to the person because talking sexually sometimes implies that you're a slut or a hoe. And that's not true. It's more like when there's this whole big thing going on right now about talking about consent. Mm -hmm. And we're starting with younger because it's not just about sex. We want to equip kids when they're younger that like if I got a new toy and my parents like, well, go share it with Lisa. No, it's my toy. I have to first like I want to enjoy this toy by myself and then I can share it with my friend, Lisa. So it's kind of like, I'm allowed <laughs> to have this boundary of right now it's mine. And Oh, uncle wants to hug me. I don't want to hug him right now. I have the right to say no. And if we force kids mm -hmm. like, well, it's your uncle, go ahead. It's basically mm -hmm. telling kids you're going to have to do stuff sometimes. And you're just going to have to be a good kid. This is where it's not like we, we have the right to stand up and go, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be touched. And we can say that at any time in our life. Yeah, that's so important. I, I remember this conversation with my kids because my husband was like, no, go hug, you know, uncle such yeah. and such. And it was really a friend that we just called uncle, you know, and um, and my kid was like, no, I don't want to. And I remember hearing that, you know, like, don't make your kids hug other people. If she does not want to let her learn that that's OK to say no. But yeah, I mm -hmm. thought that that's a really important piece, I think. Now. I want to uh, tell you and your listeners about if you really want to get a sense of stuff that's still going on, do a Google search on YouTube for the video clip from eighth grade, the movie called Truth or Dare. Mm. And it's the scene where there's a heterosexual young couple in a car. They're just kind of hanging out. It's dark out. And the guy, he's probably 16-ish in this. He's like, I want to take out off my shirt. I'm hot. So he takes off his shirt. And this girl is sitting there and she's looking down. And she's looking very passive. And he's like, how about we play truth or dare? And she's like, okay, truth. And he's like, come on, come on. I want to give you a dare. And she's like, okay. 
And he's like, take off your shirt. And she's sitting there and she's like, I no, I, I don't want to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I don't want to. And she does what we hope she would do. But when you watch it, you actually get annoyed because you realize she's doing, she's acting in a way that a lot of us were taught. We were taught to be the good kid and apologize for not doing what other people want us to do. Mm. And I think it's a great video clip for a parent to talk with their kids and say, let's watch this. And I've said to the students, this, excuse my language, it pisses me off because I want her to feel comfortable about her decision, not embarrassed because she was right for herself. Mm -hmm. When I've had young people watch this and they're about to go teach, a lot of them are like, this actually still goes on. And you feel guilty when you say no. And I'm like, that's why we're going to teach kids assertiveness skills. Because mm-hmm. they, they have the right to stand up for themselves. Listening to you, <laughs> I feel like, you know, going into this talk, I was like, okay, talking about sex, we can do this. But there's so much more. There's so yeah. much more to sex than the actual, like the sex part is actually easy, right? Like mm-hmm. there's these components, this is how you do it. It's the everything else that seems to be actually so important to talk about. Like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay, you know, like, love yourself. You know, you want to have sex with a person that you trust, you know, and and what does trust mean? There's so much more to the conversation that I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. And I'm even going to say, like, because, and I love talking honestly about sex, like, I believe to have young people be equipped to even ask the question. So after we do it, okay, are you going to tell your friends? Am I going to tell my friends? Because that's betrayed in the media all the time. But flat, honestly, I don't want my partner to tell everybody what we're doing. That's between me and him. That's personal. That's private and intimate. And so Mm -hmm. to have that conversation of, so what is the expectation afterwards? And is it going to happen again? Because I know I I met my partner later in life. And at a certain point before we did anything, I was like, we got we got to talk. And he was like, "Okay." And but we we had I asked him a bunch of questions because I needed to feel comfortable in our relationship before anything progressed further. I love that. I love that you said we need to talk. I mean, that is something we should be teaching our kids, like also like how to talk to their partner Yep. about those expectations or, or anything like what, what would you, yeah. How, what would you put into that conversation about what to tell our kids or a talk to our kids about like, what are the key, what are those key conversations look like? Well, it's, it's even, we well, can start off basic and you had said that you saw the talk before sex app mm-hmm. and that actually is broken down into, you know, let's just talk about general questions about what is a healthy relationship. What are components of it? And there's no answers in that app. It's just to have a discussion because, and if you you look up like the love languages, some people perceive that healthy romantic relationships has like, you have to buy me gifts all the time, or you have to have a set of ears all the time. Like we do have certain needs or wants in relationships. So even to define what we're hoping for, um, and then to say, you know, there's another part in that app that talks about sex. And, you know, what is sex really? You know, do do you, if you and I, Lisa, we're going to do something, is anal sex sex to us or oral sex? Is kissing sex? Because some people mm. are like, yeah, that's sex. So let's even talk about that. And then if we're going to do something, like there, there's just to have a logical, 
a logical conversation about what is it that I'm hoping for? You know, mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it's, it's interesting because when I go on vacation, I know that I have certain goals on a vacation and that includes, you know, relaxation and making sure we're spending money in a budget and stuff. And so to me, putting that into like a sexual relationships, it's the same thing. Like, why can't we talk honestly about expectations? Mm -hmm. Why can't we talk about, you know, is this only going to be a one-time thing? Is this, and are you telling me you love me now? You know, it's that whole uh, Paradise at the Dashboard Light song. Do you love me? Will you love me forever? <laughs> I love that like, song. I love yes. you right now. And it, it isn't, you know, and realize that there are some girls that are doing this to guys too, and they're pressuring guys. Mm -hmm. And because um, we're hearing that sometimes a girl will tell a guy, if you don't do something, I'm going to tell everybody you're gay. So oh. to equip our kids to say, no, this is my decision. And I'll tell you a really great thing. And it's, it's can be difficult to do if you're not used to it, to teach those refusal skills, especially the changing the topic. Mm. Because if you just say, like, if you ask me to do something, I'm like, Lisa, no. And I just end it there. And then I go, hey, isn't there a football game on? Or, hey, where are we supposed to do this? Change the topic. That's a great If you just skill. say assertively and then change this topic so you can get them off. And yeah, there will be some people that still try to egg you on and go enough already, enough already, mm -hmm. you know? So to teach them that they have the right to do that. And mm -hmm. it's, that's why the practicing, the practicing, you know, in class, I don't mind if they practice with puppets, but to, if a child can say no to a parent for chores at times, then we can say, okay, let's use this skill when you <laughs> need to say no to others. You know? Right. They're good at saying no to us. So let's, right. yeah, let's practice, practice those techniques. Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so, oh, such great, great insight. Such great insight. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's important to Lisa that when we're talking to young people to have, you know, like to be realistic, because you had said, you know, will you children wait until marriage or not? And even if you look at history, not everybody did that. They didn't mm -hmm. wait until marriage. So right. it was assumed people did, but it, it wasn't always happening. And now we have people getting married at older ages. So there's a higher probability that they will engage in sex before marriage mm -hmm. if, if they choose to. Um, so to really equip them with, you know, like what then is your expectation, even for your first time, what are you hoping for? And so why, how can we make sure that you have a partner that can be that person for you? Mm -hmm. And if you have a partner that then is hurtful to you to come to me and we're going to work on what we need to do for you to feel okay and how mm -hmm. to handle it. Um, certainly to equip young people about some of the sexual assault stuff that goes on um, that they, because um, we do unfortunately have some high rates in sexual of sexual assault, depending upon where people are living and stuff. And sometimes people are shamed that they feel it's their fault. So they don't tell anybody about it. And we have to stop the victim blaming. And it's, it's interesting because I, it's, I hear sometimes future teachers say, well, I'm going to tell kids they shouldn't get into a situation. And I'm like, but wait a minute. Sometimes you don't know what a situation is about because you've never mm -hmm. been there before. Right. So how can you shame a kid when they thought, oh, I'm just going to hang out. And then something happened. It's not their fault because they've mm -hmm. never done it before. So let's let's equip kids that even if they feel that something yucky went on, 
they can come to us and we'll be there for them. How, as a parent, do you, how do you show that to your kid that you'll be there for any, anything? Because I feel like I can say that to my kids and say, Hey, I'm here for you no matter what, you know, something like that happens or, um, or you decide to have sex or you need me to help you get on the pill or whatever you need. I'm, I'm here for you. Like what you just said to say that they're there. Yet we also have to recognize that as kids get older, they do get more independent and they're trying to figure out like they might have to figure it out on their own or they might go to someone else Mm -hmm. in which if we can, if they don't feel comfortable coming to us that, you know, I need you to go to this person. Like, you know, if it's somebody, you know, can you talk to your health teacher? Can you talk to you know, talk about other reliable people they can go to medical professionals, you know, so if somebody is, um, no matter if you're, you have a son or a daughter to introduce them to a medical professional that they can ask a variety of questions to, because if they think that maybe they were exposed to an STI that, you know, go and talk to the medical professional. I want you to be able to advocate for for yourself. Because sometimes mm-hmm. kids, they're like, I don't, this is personal. And this is my parents. It's weird that for some people, they don't want to even look at their parents as sexual beings, beings, the same thing as a parent for the child. So sometimes they're not going to come to us. That is a reality. So mm-hmm. we can at least tell them where else they can go. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if we have in the past done things where kids have come to us and we've reacted negatively to say, to come back to that and go, you know what? I reacted. I overreacted. And because I, and I didn't mean to, mm-hmm. and I, I sounded like my mother at that moment or whatever, <laughs> um, but to say, you know, I'm doing the best I can with the tools I've been provided. And my number one job is to do the best I can for you. So I'm sorry mm-hmm. to model that. Cause we're all human. We make mistakes. Totally. I mean, that line comes out of my mouth multiple times. <laughs> So not too many times where they don't believe me, just, <laughs> just, just enough to show that I am human as well. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, we, we sometimes think that our relationships are supposed to be perfect mm-hmm. and they're not. And anybody like living with anybody is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not because sometimes, you know, somebody just leaves that toothpaste on the sink and it, it could be really annoying or maybe mm-hmm. you're the person that does it. You know, so it's hard to live with somebody and even dating people. It's difficult. Relationships help us figure out more of who we are. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it can bring out the worst in us. And that's how we can grow. We can become better people. Mm -hmm. So to remind like even young people that like my relationship with my partner is not perfect, but we continuously we have to work on it. And love is a verb. It's a verb. It's an action. So him just saying, I love you and me saying it back to him doesn't mean that that's going to save our relationship. It's we have to have a commitment regularly of, yeah, yeah, we we need to like figure this out or, you know, or if we get lazy in our relationship, we have to like, okay, what is this about? Like, yeah. And and like you said, love is a verb. It's it's work. It's action. It's not yeah. just, yeah, show me, you know, like it's, it's the actions yeah. that we do. So it's not yeah. just the word. What do you think overall parents just should know about just this overall topic of sex? It's like sex 101. I feel like we're in class. <laughs> <laughs> that overall people are sexual beings. 
I, I know that some people are asexual, um, but I would say a lot of people are going to be sexual beings and it's natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's natural to be curious. I, you know, if kids are looking at things like to talk about, if you catch a child watching porn, to actually talk about some of the imagery that's there, because unfortunately some kids get addicted to it and their brains are not fully developed. So the addiction can be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we want to be honest and it's important to, you know, if like, again, you see your child watching porn and talk about what's being portrayed there, is that a healthy relationship? Um, mm-hmm. and not to necessarily yell at the child for watching porn, but we are naturally curious. Mm-hmm. I've always been curious as a kid. I was the one that looked up in the dictionary, those words, because <laughs> I didn't have the internet as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, but that didn't mean I did anything. I was just curious. And I was mm-hmm. curious when my friends in high school were having sex. Mm-hmm. I dated somebody who I caught in lies and I was like, I'm done. I'm not ready for this because I'll, I'll wait. Um, but I observed my peers and some of them are still together, which is really neat. So the number one thing is that we were human beings. We're curious. I, we all want to be loved. Sometimes, yeah, kids are looking for the love and they're not sure what that means. And yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, these are such deep discussions. I mean, really deep discussions with your kids about, yeah, what is love and what does that look yeah. like and what are your expectations for it? I mean, those yeah. are huge conversations that I know I haven't had with my kids. You know, I've, I've had more of the mechanical talks, I would say, mm-hmm. with my kids and keeping them. Um, and there's so much more, so much more to talk about. So I, I think that was a huge, huge takeaway for me. The whole thing about sex, like you said, it's not just about this act. It's all this other stuff that goes along with, you know, relationships and the trust. And, you know, can you be committed? And, and then, yeah, what is love to you? It's mm-hmm. all that philosophical stuff, but it becomes real when you're with somebody. Yep. This is this, this conversation is so much more than I thought it would be (laughs) so much more. um, And so important, honestly. But what's interesting, even if you ask your kids, you know, like for the next week, when you watch anything, whether it be on Netflix or something like that, see if you can find a healthy romantic relationship. Like who, like if, if you watched friends, if you watch Grey's Anatomy, like what's an example of a healthy relationship? romantic relationship and to see Mm -hmm. what they come up with but also for us to say okay where where do we see one (laughs) you know and to talk about it and that can help define well what is a healthy relationship it's Mm -hmm. not that if you and I are in a relationship you have to do everything I say no that's controlling and if you go to I think it's uh, loveisrespect.org they have even relationship wheels or relationship lists of what's a healthy relationship and what's an unhealthy relationship. So let me ask you this. The holidays are coming. What has been your favorite gift to give to your stepkid or for the holiday? I've actually liked when we've had experiences together. Oh, I love experiences. Yes. Do you have a favorite one? Yeah, I'm thinking when um, when we were living, my partner and I were living in Wisconsin, and um, and they came to visit around the holidays, and we went out to a restaurant, and then they didn't know I had homemade cookies and hot chocolate milk already in the car, so after dinner, I drove across, like, there was beautiful Christmas lights over the Mississippi River, and we had cookies and um, hot chocolate, 
And then I said to them, okay, when we get back to the house, you're going to see three remote control cars on, on the, um, the table. And what I want you to do is pick one. And then we're going to have races and there's prizes for like people, you know, like whatever, whoever's going to win. I think I had some kind of goofy prize or whatever it was. And we got back to the house. We, we moved the huge dining room table. And so the cars could be used in that room. And these are, they were in their twenties when we were doing this. Um, And it was just, it was just funny. It was just goofy. And it was the experience of like, they weren't expecting anything like that. Mm. And it didn't necessarily cost money. It was just all of us together because they were still trying to get to know me. It was nice to surprise them in that way and just kind of like let us all be goofy. Oh, so fun. So fun. So yeah, experiences. I love experiences. That's what I'm trying to think about for this coming holiday. I was like, we need more experiences than gifts, you know? Yes. So we're trying to think through. So that that's a great one. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for just taking the time and I mean, opening my eyes to, oh my gosh, like so much more. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm still in shock of how much I need to do, but that's okay. (laughs) But Lisa, that's why when we have like, there's a network of people, it's not just on you, it's a community. I truly believe that. So like as a, a health teacher, I'm, I'm supposed to be supporting the parents, you know, helping them do that because Raising kids, you, you're you so responsible for so much. How mm-hmm. can you cover everything? Because this is a lifetime. So to work as a team, and I perceive you're doing a great job. You're doing the best you can with the tools you've been provided. And I, I hope to one day meet you in person. And um, I think your kids are lucky to have you. Oh, that is so nice. And yes, when you come to Colorado, which I know you will, we are going to have a cup of coffee. Thank you for listening to this episode. Lori has opened my eyes to how the act of sex is not the only conversation we need to be having, but also conversations about healthy relationships, trust, commitment, and what is love. Let's keep talking to our kids and share this episode with parents who need help discussing the topic of sex with their own kids.